0: welcome to the punched and played podcast number seven the sometimes funny sometimes analytical podcast all about board games and the unique experiences they create i'm one of your hosts sean rose along with jonathan baker hey everybody and clint broadbent oh. oh i'm sorry I'm, oh. I'm there i'm here so glad I'm you am here could finals to...
1: almost
2: over
0: okay so glad you could join us tonight clint sorry oh. we missed you last week we did okay i'm here Fantastic. So we're gonna start off by talking about
1: games we've played recently.
0: There's a one I know that Jonathan is definitely wanting to talk
1: about. And that game is Arboretum. <laughs> <laughs> um it's a beautiful game. You're, about trees. You're about going trees. to trees
0: you're going to Arboretum first, really. Well it's it's beautiful. It, it is tell me pretty. about it. It's about trees. It's like it reminds me of a little bit of some elements of lost cities to a certain extent, because on your turn, what you're trying to do is you're trying to lay down trees and form different paths. Okay, so it doesn't matter what cards you have in your path. They have to go in numerical order and you can skip numbers. Mm -hmm. But the beginning tree and the last tree of your path have to be the same color. Okay, so you're laying down these cards. You get to add new trees of whatever colors in your hand adjacent to previously played trees okay so you can get a bonus if you play an entire string or path of trees that are all the same color so for example if you went you know two four seven eight they're all the same color usually at the end of the game you'll score one point for every tree that's in your path Mm -hmm. but if they're all the same color and you've laid down four or more and there's nothing else a different color in that path you score essentially double the points so you score another four points or five points if you played five in the path that's awesome the trick is Mm -hmm. that at the end of the game you have to win the right to score that color path and you do that by revealing when we score so we saying we're going to score the maple tree which is which are the red ones we all reveal how many cards we have of red and add up the value the sum of those cards whoever has the highest sum of red cards left in their hand of seven at the end of the game wins the right to score it so there's an aspect of possibly blocking other people from scoring the path you know they're going for hmm. so if i so you have to balance laying down cards that match the color path you're going for but also hold back enough in your hand to make sure you can actually score it because only one person gets to score it unless there's a tie or no one has any cards in their hand and everyone gets to score it oh that's cool it is, it is very beautiful. It is, it, the artwork is really nice. I like it. I've played it with the full player count of four, played it with three, and I've played it with two. And I think I liked it better with two, in all honesty. And it scales pretty well. There's ten different suits, ten different colors of trees, essentially. Mm-hmm. And whenever you're playing with three players, you take out two suits. If you're playing with two players, you take out four suits. Okay. So, it, it, it's nice. Jonathan, you felt like it was a bit cutthroat.
1: Um... A little bit. I think for me, one of the biggest problems is listeners. Is I'm I'm spatially challenged. So um, when we played, you know, Space Cadets, I had the worst time trying to pilot the ship around. I kind of got off a little bit on connecting my paths and just wasn't totally clear about what you know what how I could build off of the different trees and 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 missed a couple little rules here and there. So I didn't do very well. And unfortunately, I felt bad for Noah because he had some nice paths going. But between you and me, Sean, we. Got him down to zero points at the end of the game. We took... He couldn't score any of his nice paths. It was sad. That's happened in
0: two of the three games that I've played. The three-player game and the four-player game where one player got absolutely no points. Wow. So it's a tough balancing act. It really is. How long is it? It's about 30 minutes. There's a little bit of analysis paralysis because if you're not spatially inclined, you're trying to figure out (laughs) what card am I going to put? Where am I going to put it? I think, Jonathan, you did a really good job of just put that down there yeah i kind of <laughs> i
1: kind of i didn't give up but i kind of just try to go with the foe a little bit and not overanalyze it too much because i know that's a tendency of mine
0: but yeah there there is definitely a tendency of trying to over analyzing a little bit of trying to figure out where the most optimal place would be and after i laid down a card i was like oh my gosh i put this on the wrong side i should have put it over here a bit more effective and i'm like well what's done is done and i live with the consequences so
2: who ended up winning
0: um, I've won all three games I've played.
2: hmm Ringer.
0: Yeah. hmm I guess there's that, what Emerson called, the owner's advantage. Yes. So. yes. Yes. But I'm a very special person, so I like that. Because, again, you're building your path, and you can think, okay, if I can get this other card, I can connect this and score big points. But then you have a backup plan, so it's interesting if you can kind of adjust to the cards you're getting you can actually do some pretty neat things it may not look like you're going for a certain color than the very end if you lay down the color you need as long as the beginning and entry are the same color you can still it still counts as that color path so you get to map out the one path you want to score if you win the right to score it so it is a neat game i like it i think it's short enough that i think it's i think it's good but i I don't think jonathan's going to sign up to play it again
2: Mm -hmm. i'd play it again I still think uh, one of the first things I'm going to do when I'm done with uh, this semester is I am going to write a piece about this idea of weight. And if it's a cutthroat game and it's 30 minutes, I can deal with that. But if it's if it's more than that, then it gets personal for some people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And one other thing I forgot to mention about this game is that on your turn, you get to draw two cards.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But every player has a discard pile in front of them, kind of like with Lost Cities, how you have to play a card and you have to discard a card. Mm -hmm. The only thing is, is that you draw two cards, you play one card into your Arboretum, and you have to discard one card into the discard pile. Mm -hmm. So it's a balancing act again of trying to keep the cards you need to score, but also not discard the cards that your opponents obviously need to score their paths. I'm really excited.
2: I'll, I'd love to try it again. If I, if it is cutthroat, thirty minutes is is good cutthroat to me.
0: I don't feel it's as, as cutthroat as Jonathan makes it. I mean, again, I guess I have really high thresholds of cutthroat. I, I can definitely see that the fact that someone can get completely shut out and they score no points. Okay, I, I can see that that is kind of cutthroat. Yeah, but I, again, I don't think that there's like there's like one card
2: that's like i cut you off it's like hey this is part of my strategy i have to hold these cards to stop you Mm -hmm, absolutely I, i i don't feel like there there is luck in like what you draw and what you don't draw but there's also a little bit of there's skill that can help ameliorate that
0: yeah and i picked this game up on a complete whim i had not heard anything about it i was just in the game store i actually went to look for another game we'll be talking about in a minute, Roll for the Galaxy. But I ended up picking up Arboretum. The box art just kind of caught my eye, and I looked something up. I, whenever I go to a game store, I'm always on my phone looking things up <laughs> on Game Geek. I want to see pictures and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, the artwork's really nice on this. Mm-hmm. So, I'm like, hey, I, I want to find short card games that just has a nice feel to it that you can kind of go back to. I don't think this this card game is necessarily that, but I think it does some interesting things. So I picked it up on a whim and I'm overall I'm pretty happy. I'm a little nervous that it won't get much play, but overall I'm I like it.
2: Lost Cities is one of my number one two player games. So I mean, if you say it's very if it has similar things or that kind of that feeling of if it's really good with two players, it's hard to pass up with for thirty minutes.
0: Yeah. Because, I mean, it's like in Lost Cities, how you're having to lay down the cards in numerical order, and once you skip a number, you can't really go back. But because you're building your own paths, if you skip over a number, but if you draw the other numbers to help you kind of go up and around and connect it back, it kind of adds some elements of that as well. So it's interesting. I do like it. I think it's it's not quite Lost Cities for four players, but I think it does some things that remi- are reminiscent of that. Oh, so Fun. I'm excited. So, Clint, what have you been able to play?
2: Actually, I was able to sneak away and play a game of Five Tribes last week. And I really love Five Tribes. It's one of those games that I got the opportunity to play. I saw it on Board Game Geek, and it was getting a lot of buzz. I love Days of Wonder. I own most of the Days of Wonder games. And so I got this, and I have not been disappointed. I love it. It's a game. It's uh, one to four players it takes it says between 40 and 80 minutes and i could totally see that's a big wide swath but i could really see how that game could really cook keep going really fast but the two times that i've played we've had starters and it's been probably closer to 90 minutes 90 minutes plus but the main idea of the game is that you have a bunch of these different colored meeples that have different special abilities and you set them out on these tiles, and your goal is to take these tribes and pick them up off the tiles and move them around the tiles, and wherever you land or wherever you end up, you take the meeple that you put in last, you take up all the people of that of that tile, and you get to do a special ability according to like the color of the meeple. It is one of the games that I'm the most excited about in the past, I'd say, in the past three or four years. It has a timelessness to it it's a game that i'm looking at and i'm i'm playing and i feel like i just will not i'm, I'm not going to get bored of this game because while the moves every turn are different the different interactions with the meatballs and um, and the special abilities that you can get from these gins is really unique and i played uh, the first time i played it i I, I won. It was a great game. I won with like these yellow guys that that if I had majority with them, I'd get a lot of points. The second game that I played, I decided to go with these white guys that it let me get these gins that gave me special abilities, and I was able to combo one of those. And I didn't win. I ended up losing by a point. But I had a lot of fun and really kind of got into there are just a lot of different ways to win and i just think that this game is one that i could play 10 15 times close
1: together and i just couldn't get sick of it
0: yeah jonathan you've been hesitant to jump into five tribes
1: i really worry about my ap with this game i could see me just totally over analyzing this and uh just you know i would push you guys up to the 120 mark and i don't want to do that to you guys but just hearing you talk about it you're actually kind of wearing me down a little bit. I'm almost tempted to play.
0: No, oh, well done, well done.
2: <laughs> it really is. I, hey, Jonathan, come to the corner and play five tribes with me. <laughs> but uh, on, honestly, I would. I know. I know you, Jonathan, and I think that you would like the game. I really think that there is this a time where you're just going to say, you know, you can just look. The game actually speeds up closer to the end of the game the start of the game is the slowest and then it kind of speeds up which is kind of is kind of weird for most games like that but it is really a good game i could not um, recommend this i think this might be my game of the year from last year so. wow.
0: i like how you your sentence actually said i cannot recommend this <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, 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 think you, I think you I think forgot you to mention enough, enough. enough yeah, yeah. Enough. <laughs> I am so tired of playing these So Jonathan, talk about Roll.
1: Okay, got to play Roll for the Galaxy. This was my second and third times to play it. And the first time I got to play it was at BGG Con, and uh, liked it. Most of the time I find myself, when I first play a game, I usually don't care for it. I kind of get a little bit overwhelmed. But this was one of those games where the first time I played it, I was like, yeah, I like this. So we got to play it at our monthly game night. We got to play it at our weekly game night, and I've really enjoyed it. I really enjoy having to figure out how to process, you know, how I get my dice. I mean, the game is based around, we all start with the same dice, and then we kind of specialize a little bit based upon our starting faction that we draw. And there's some tiles that you get, your worlds and your developments. And each of the dice um, that you come across in different colors, they, you know, have different probabilities of rolling, either producing or shipping or settling, exploring, developing. I just like the whole idea of trying to get my engine going, and it's, it's fairly short. I really do, I like Race a lot, Race for the Galaxy, but I feel like this kind of streamlines it a little bit, and yet also kind of stands as its own game, even though it's so closely related.
0: And that's the thing, I have not been the biggest fan of Race for the Galaxy. I just I know the iconography is the big sticking point for a lot of people, but every time I've played it multiple times and every time I look at that little cheat sheet, I'm just like, what? I don't I don't know. I understand what the different you know, choosing the the different phases and the bonuses you get but then you draw those cards and you look at the card and you're like okay what what does this what does this do and then you're having to shuffle through and try to figure out look at the chart to match up the iconography on the cards and i just feel like it that's completely removed there's still iconography in Roll for the galaxy but it's much more tolerable and makes a whole lot more sense there's much fewer examples of drawing a tile and looking at it and saying, well, I don't know what this does. It's really pretty straightforward. And your little shield that you have, that whenever you roll your dice, you roll it behind a shield and you assign those dice to what phases you're wanting to possibly accomplish. On the back of that shield, it gives you that chart of, here are the probabilities of what the yellow dice, you know, what sides it has, what the different phases that you can do and what options you have, what bonuses you get. So it's all laid out in front of you. Some of the iconography is a little, still a little kind of strange to a certain extent, but I think it makes more sense to me than what Race for the Galaxy does. And that's a big selling point for me. So, yeah, I was really surprised because I really had no desire to own Race for the Galaxy. And after you guys got to both play it at, did you get to play it at? I no, did, okay. I didn't. So you played with Olivia and Francisco? Yeah, uh, and Matt. And you guys were just raving about it. We enjoyed it. And I was like, ah, well, I don't really like Race. But then when Bruce brought it, brought it over, and I'm like, yeah, let's give it a go. And I'm like, wow, I like this a lot more. So I actually got on there and got it. But I, kn- the reason I got it is I knew it was going to get played again. Mm-hmm. Because I knew that Jonathan was a fan of it. I liked it. I'm like, yeah, I think this will be a worthy investment. So Fantastic.
2: I really want to play it. I've traded away very few games. Race for the Galaxy is one of them and I got it to play with my wife and we played it the first time and my wife was just like, I really feel like I needed, I need like a master's degree to understand what's going on here. And after that, it was just, uh, it just it was kind of all over after that. So I mean, I love it that it's a little bit less of a steep learning curve, but there are some interesting decisions to be made there.
0: Absolutely, developing for technologies and settling planets are a big hallmark of Race for the Galaxy and Roll for the Galaxy. But instead of drawing cards, and you know, your cards were your currency and all that. What you do is whenever you're wanting to explore, instead of drawing cards, you'll draw tiles out of a bag. And these tiles are double-sided. One side has settlements, the other side has developments. You choose which side you want to use, and you put it on your board. That's cool. So it kind of gives you some luck of the draw, kind of like with the, the drawing of the cards, but you still get that choice of, well, I don't really want this settlement... Maybe this development will be more useful to me, or you might get something that's not really useful for either, but it might be cheap or get you a lot of points or whatever. So
1: I do like that choice.
0: Yeah. But again, I just love the idea of rolling dice. I think for some reason, rolling those dice and having... I mean, you can get a lot of dice. You can have a ton that you get to roll if you play your cards, right? No. <laughs> Tiles, right? You can roll a lot of dice. Um, oh, that's just really cool to be able to roll that. And when Noah beat us when we played the three player game, he was rolling so many dice. He had a
1: ton of dice. He was just churning through them, mm-hmm. and he was a bit, he was working it to where he could buy back. You know, at the end of your round, you spend your your galactic credits or whatever to buy your dice and put them back into your cup into your pool again. And he was getting to the point where he could put back seven or eight dice every turn, which was a lot. I was I had a, a couple rounds I was only putting one die back into mm-hmm. my pool.
0: So that's another nice element is you have to balance going for the phases that let you build developments or settlements or ship or produce, but you have to make sure you have enough credits to get those dice back or you'll be rolling nothing at all. The minimum you can roll each round is one die. So you'll always have one die that you can put back into your cup.
2: Awesome. Yeah. One of the things that I think that as I'm talking to you and as I'm hearing this I really feel like one of the things that I I I didn't like about race is that sometimes it felt like I was playing chess. That it was just like I'm locked into doing this. Like I'm drawing these cards, but they don't matter all that much because I've got my machine. I've got my my engine going, and I feel like the dice rolling. I think what I really like about dice rolling is you know rolling a bunch of dice and saying okay so what am i going to do to get the best out of what i got mm-hmm. you know so it kind of keeps it kind of keeps you uh making decisions like meaningful decisions
1: throughout the game is that yeah.
2: a pretty good assessment
1: and i kind of feel like you know that's kind of the tactical element of it you know you've got your long term strategy you're trying to aim for but you also like you said you have to kind of you have to go with what you got i mean you can do some and there are some reassignment powers which will let you change some of your your dice but that's part of the game. It's it's the tactical. What's in front of me? What's the best I can do with this? Yeah.
0: Because there's definitely times where like I'm gonna go and settle, and you roll the dice, and okay, the dice want me to do something else this round.
2: Yeah, which can get frustrating. But I think that really what what keeps the game fresh mm-hmm. is a game that that you got to work for things. And yep. sometimes uh, I think uh, mitigating some of that luck is part of the enjoyment that you can get from some of these games.
0: Absolutely. So a big Big two thumbs up for Race for the Galaxy for me. That's one I'm really looking forward to playing again. Yes. And that game is actually the impetus for our central topic for the day. Because when we got to play *Role for the Galaxy, or at least when I, fin- I finished my uh, second game with Jonathan, I, was like, I told him, I can't wait to play this game again. And Jonathan, you've mentioned this before in our podcast, that we tend to be a little bit more focused on getting the new games out that we really don't get to revisit games that we enjoy because for whatever reason we just bring out the new game and that's what we end up playing so we don't get to really enjoy games a little bit more in depth so today's central topic is about escaping the cult of the new so for those of you that are uninitiated to this terminology let's first talk about how we define the cult of the new. I think the cult of the new
2: is, is not just the act of playing new games all the time, every time, but it's also the attitude towards playing older games that you know it's like, hey, we've we got this game out that we liked. Uh, let's play a new game. You know, it's that I I feel like it's the general attitude of the new game is the desire to play the new game is
0: more than playing like a a classic or a game that went over well. Look good. Jonathan, do you have any other perceptions about the cult of the new?
1: When I think of cult of the new, I also think about, you know, just this kind of burning desire to always be buying something new and getting it out. So when I was kind of thinking about this topic, I just. Thought a little bit about how often we are buying games, how often we're thinking about buying games, and what all is involved with that. You know, that idea of the cult of the new. Yeah, Clint, you like cults, right? <laughs> I
2: guess so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I uh, I like
0: uh, I like Elder
2: Chord. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: but I mean the thing is, is that I mean, uh, part of it is I almost feel like that's the trend in board games that. You almost feel like you have to keep up with the Joneses to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Like there's this new hot game out and like, oh, I don't want to miss out on this. Mm-hmm. And so I think I've fallen into that trap of constantly feeling like I need to purchase new games. And I mean, who doesn't like to play a new game? The hotness. The- <laughs> oh, yes. There's something exciting about playing a new hot game. Mm-hmm. It's exciting.
1: I love just opening a new hot game.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it is, and I think
2: that sometimes I feel like it really has the the feeling of I want I want to have know something that n- no one else knows. You know, it's nice to go to BGG Con and and play some of these games that came out at Essen and feel like, man, some people aren't going to see this game like in stores for like another three or four months, and I I got to play this game. It's kind of like the al- Alchemist. Mm-hmm. You I mean, you got to play that game. Not I many people got to play that. You are probably one of the few for probably three or four months. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it it is that cool kind of cool feeling. I think that's why some people jump into like playtesting games. I mean, for you guys, you guys are hardcore playtesters. I playtested a few games, but what drives you to do that?
0: Is it is it the I want to play this game before, like before everybody else? Or I think it's the curiosity of getting involved in the game design process. I mean, we're not really designing, but getting to see behind the scenes of what goes into the development of some of our favorite board games
2: it's cool and you guys like i said you guys you guys dead of winter was old hat to you guys when oh, it yeah. first was released and so i gotta play it like the first time but you guys had played 15 20 times before me yeah and you guys were old veterans but i mean that's kind of, i think that's kind of cool i think it's a draw for some people
0: And For me, I kind of feel like doing playtests might be a way for me to kind of scratch the getting exposure to new stuff, Mm -hmm. but not sacrificing other things that I value in games. Because I feel like part of the problem with the cult of the new is that as you're buying new games, other games that maybe you got to play once, they kind of get pushed to the side. Mm -hmm. Because if you bring out a new game or you bring out a game and someone doesn't like it, well well, that's not going to hit the table again so part of it's trying to find get the games, new games that will get people excited to play them Yeah, and I, I don't know what caused that shift of wanting to play the same game I think that is the biggest concern that I have regarding the cult of the new is that we don't get to enjoy the games that we own more than a couple of times yeah. At least for me, I find it very very difficult to get some of my games that I like a lot back to the table just because we're constantly jumping from game to game.
2: And I think also, and Mike, I'm going to point this out cuz it always seems to happen for me like in my old game group and my and sometimes like with our 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 game group is if someone says, "Hey, I just bought this new game." And this guy saying, another guy saying, hey, I have this game. We played it once. We liked it. It was fun. Everybody's going to want to play the newer game or the newest game when the other game was was just as good. And I feel like it is. It is really weird. Sometimes you feel this urgency because you're just like, well, in in like six months, this game, if I don't play this game, this game isn't going to be cool anymore.
0: And then it's going to be doubly hard. Because, you know, we all board game because it's cool. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, or it's not going to be hot anymore. No, sure, absolutely. I mean, board gaming is fantastic, but I think that's a whole other subject, but I think there's a lot of misperceptions about board gaming and role-playing games and stuff like that, so... Yeah,
2: one thing I'd say is, I'm going to throw in Be Devil's Advocate here, if we were to abolish the cult of the new, how long before... In the in the gaming world,
0: before we would have a massive crash. I well, I mean, some people would argue that we're our, that we could be heading there now potentially.
1: We're in a bubble, people.
0: I, I hope we're not. I really hope we're not in a board gaming bubble. I mean, we're definitely seeing a lot of prosperity right now. A lot of great, awesome projects. I think the industry kind of needs the excitement of the new to keep it going. I
2: I completely agree. I think that the cult of the new, while we it's not my favorite and i'm i'm one I'm not one to defend it. I do think that it is I think that we're a little too hyped up on the cult of the new, and we're right now at a peak, but I'm kind of hoping that we appreciate the old and that we can kind of plateau in having kind of a constant thing. We have like a new board game company coming up like every month. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of that's because, like I said, we're kind of in a boom right now,
0: yeah. So I mean would you say that we're more shifting towards the cult of the old are you more of a fan of that
2: I've made this I've made this argument that if they stopped making board games period no more board games for the rest of everything I have enough board games on my shelf right now to keep me happy for the next 20 years so you're not going to be buying any more games I just bought one yesterday, <laughs> but I mean, honestly, though, I think I have. I look at my games, and I'm like, I think I could play these games
0: for 20 years and be and be happy with it. Jonathan, what are you thinking? You're processing over here.
1: Uh, I am a huge fan of the cult of the new. Um, I'm always interested in what's coming out, what's new, but. Uh, I don't buy a lot of games, so I mean, just because I know a lot about the the new games that are coming out doesn't mean I buy a lot of games. You trick us into buying them for you, yes. <laughs> Professional window shopper, right don't, here. Don't tell them, listeners.
0: <laughs> <laughs> We're on to you, Jonathan. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but I, I, you know, for me, it's an idea of balance. You know, what what's and I'm I'm always like I said, I like to watch a lot of reviews. I like to watch playthroughs. I like to try out games before I buy them, and so that's why the cult of the new maybe doesn't apply to me, because maybe I was excited about it for a while, but it usually takes me a while before I actually buy the game. I really want to kind of make sure it's kind of stood the test of time at least a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of in the middle.
2: And it's funny, actually, that you always say that you don't like a game usually the first time you play it. (laughs) It seems to be most of the time that way.
0: (laughs) That's kind of becoming his his gauge of whether or not a game is something he really really likes. Because if he enjoys it the first time he plays it, that's kind of been the trend he's noticed. See, and
2: this is this is another thing. I mean, we could really discuss a ton, and I know I'm 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 yammering, but one of the things that is interesting that I'd throw out is: Are we starting to design games that are all sizzle no steak, that are like flashy to get get you to the table, and you play it once and say. Oh yeah, that's great, but if you played this game five or six times, it would kind of, meh. It would it would lose it would lose its its flavor. Sure. Uh, after doing it, I think that we speak with our wallets. A lot of people say that you know we speak with our wallets. I think that if we continue to buy the sizzle and don't go after some of these games that have some solid deep gameplay, I think that we I think in a lot of ways we we may start. Pushing the market, the board game market, into all these sizzle, play two or three times and be done with it type games.
0: Let me ask you this, Clint. How many video games have you played more than once? Oh, f-
2: Probably five. Five or
0: six. Probably. And I imagine, I imagine you've played it a grand. Since I was five years old. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's the thing. When you talk about, it's kind of replicating that trend in video games. Even in video games, they're talking about replayability. They want games that last 100 plus hours. Sometimes I don't want a game that especially not in board gaming that lasts that long. Mm-hmm. But that's a trend in even in board games. We want everyone's talking about, well, is it is it replayable? Can I do play it multiple times? But the cult of the new has becoming so pervasive that is replayability really that big of a deal for I don't know. It just seems like the cult of the new is so big, but we are always talking about replayability. That's why people dog on Legends of Andor, because I feel like, oh, it's only got five cam five missions. That's there's not enough replayability in that.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. I think also I'm looking at it and I say, you know, for me as a gamer, I look at my games and I look and I see what games I I haven't played, and then I see a bunch of games that I've played maybe once, mo- at most twice, and I would say those games probably consist I'd say thirty percent of my collection. Wow! I've played once or less, and I think some in some of the way I leave it there, knowing I'm going to get to play it at, at, at some time. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm excited to bring that out, but I'm not in a rush to. Yeah. But uh, I think that the one thing that I feel and I felt this way for like the last year is this feeling of I really want to get some old games to the table that were great games. But we just don't play them anymore.
0: Yeah. You know? And for me, the cult of the new and the cult of the old, it, this dichotomy does not work for me. I think it definitely is somewhere in the middle. Because I think that if there's a new game that you want to get and you want to play it multiple times, fantastic. Or if there's an old game, I don't think it really is an argument of old versus new. I think it's about how much time we're willing to put into exploring the depth of the games we have. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem like we're wanting to actually dive into a game to master it. Yeah. To really kind of explore all the strategic depth. And some games don't have a lot of strategic depth. But there are plenty of games that we own that we just don't revisit. And I don't understand why why we don't you know so that's that's my argument about the call of the new i don't think it's an issue of new versus old i think it's all about how much time you're wanting to spend with the games that we own yeah i think we're an on-demand people
2: i think we're an on-demand people and so i think that you know we get you know it's like jonathan we you probably every month see a new game either if it's between sean
0: or me or you buy one yourself Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, when we come to game night, I uh, there was a period of time where I my bag was filled with the same games week after week after week.
1: Mm-hmm. Did they get played?
0: No, they did not. There, now there was an occasion that they one might, but in the vast majority of the times, they did not come out. I still can't get people to play Risk Legacy. I think that's the thing. I'm not wanting to give up new games. I'm not going to. I love new games. I don't think that the cult of the new versus cult of the old or whatever you want to call it, it's not about choosing one or the other. I think you can have balance. And that's kind of where I'm at. I'm wanting to find that balance of trying to find a way to be able to explore the games that I love and I want it and find other people who love it as well so we can really get into it and explore it a lot more, but still have that fun feel of finding a new game and trying it out for the very first time.
2: Amen. But the one I would want to just tack on to that, I think that it's that feeling of let's let's get together and let's play some of these older games. Because sometimes I feel like if I want to get one of my games played, I'm going to have to buy it. It's going to have to be nice and shiny and new, like right away to get it played. And so I think that sometimes we need to say, hey, this game's five years old, but it's a great game. Let's try it. Yeah.
0: And, you know, whenever I was first or really getting into the hobby and I we got Agricola for the first time, we played the crud out of that game so many times. And it was great. I Part of me wishes I could go back to the time when I didn't have as many games as I have now. I've come to the realization that I have too many games and there's absolutely no way I'm going to be able to enjoy them all. Mm-hmm. I've got enough games to last me my entire lifetime, and I will not get tired. Yeah. This won't. There's, I got a lot of variety. It's got to stop at some point.
1: Yeah. So I'm glad you're able to admit you have a problem.
0: My name is Sean Rose, and I'm a compulsive board game buyer.
1: Hi, Sean.
0: <laughs>
1: I'm the same way. I totally,
0: I totally feel you.
1: I, you, you covered a lot of the points that I had, Sean. I mean the when I was writing down notes for this podcast, the number two thing I wrote down was the idea of balance in life. And that's something I struggle with a little bit of addictive personality myself. And I, you know, I really think, how can I balance, you know, what I already have getting my value, getting my worth out of that, exploring the possibilities and the strategies and the depth of those games with that occasional bump and boost of getting something new you know, and the excitement of that too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I feel like I'm at a point where my interest in games are shifting that I'm looking for that game of, okay, will this do something that I don't already have? Yep. And I feel like this is another problem with the cult of the new. It's like, I guess it's not necessarily a problem, but someone puts out a game and then someone comes out, takes that feel of that game and adds something new that makes it better. And I'm thinking in my mind, for example, Machi Koro, and then you got Valeria Card Kingdom. I feel like that it took the foundation of Machi Koro, which was a neat mechanism, Mm -hmm. but added some more depth to it that makes it a better game. So, I mean, where do you draw the line? Are you going to keep adding new mechanisms that make it, oh, look, this is brand new.
1: Mm Got to constantly upgrade.
0: (sighs) (laughs) I'm, I'm getting tired. I'm getting tired
2: of it. (laughs) My thing now that I do is I just, I'm patient. There are a bunch of other games that, I mean, there are some games that I want, but I feel like I don't need this game. If it goes on sale for like 50 plus percent off, I might grab it. But there are some games that I'm just I can be I can be patient on I can that's uh, kind of what I've come to now.
0: Well, if you've got some spare patience, please send it my way. <laughs> you
2: do. I am so glad that I've come to this game group. I have a kindred spirit. <laughs> I, I was the game I was the game guy for my group. So
0: absolutely. So this begs the question: Do we want to escape? And if we do, how do we do that?
2: I think you you gotta be thoughtful about it, you know, because I think I think you gotta be you gotta think about it. And like I said, I think this has kind of been a good wake up call in thinking about it. And then I think you really just gotta make, you know, you gotta look back and you gotta kind of look and find the fire for some of these other games, you know, and not just keep checking the hotness on the ticker for for BGG.
0: Yeah, but I mean, but for me personally, I feel like I want to distance myself a little bit from it.
2: Mm-hmm. It's not you, it's me. <laughs> Let's take a break.
0: I think for me is maybe committing to finding a game that maybe the group can find some consensus on, right? Mm-hmm. And that can be tough sometimes. We have different interests. We can find some commonalities of things we, that we like, but it's really tough to find that game that we're all really excited about and be able to play it multiple times. So I'm kind of curious, are there games that you would personally like to play on a more consistent basis? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Which ones?
1: Roll for the Galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, after we finished playing it the other day, I was like, you know, you're packing it up, but can we not just play it one more time? But I didn't say it. And
0: I think right there, just because Race for the Galaxy is new. I mean, it was released at Board Game Geek Convention this last year in November. Mm-hmm. But just because it's a new game, does not I don't think that it should be excluded from being able to dive into it and explore it more in depth. That's where I have the problem of just drawing the line between old versus new. I think it's about the mastery or just getting, or if you can think about a relationship, is it a fling or you're really looking for something more meaningful from it? Yeah, So I feel like we have a lot of flings with our games right now. A lot. But we really don't have any deeper relationships with them. Mm-hmm. That's really hokey, but that's the best I've got right now. <laughs> we
2: take our gaming ad- addiction seriously. I love my games. Do you want to marry them?
0: <laughs> it depends. <laughs> Jonathan's shaking his head at me. <laughs> and cringing. So, Jonathan, are, is, I, mean, I mean, or Clint, are there any other games that you just would really love to be able to get out and play more consistently
2: one of my favorite games and i've said this before i don't even own it is the through through the ages and i am very very close to after after some of our discussions on this podcast i want to get nations Mm -hmm. but i want to have everybody sign a petition (sighs) that if we play nation if i get nations we'll play it at least three times three times
0: and for me here's the thing I feel like it's really kind of sad that we have to commit ourselves to saying, can we at least get three games in, please? You know? Mm-hmm. And it's a longer game. I it, mean, it's that's, not... that's the thing. That's another question I really had is for those games that I really want to explore more, I think it needs to find kind of that sweet spot in terms of the length.
1: Can mm-hmm. we do Nations of Dice game?
0: <laughs> if that's what's going to make you happy Jonathan, whatever you need sweetie yeah <laughs> oh.
2: so I mean there there are some that one that one's a game that I really want to play I mean I've always wanted to keep playing Robinson I really want to play some of these
0: scenario type games and for me I think that's one of the big things mm-hmm. I, I want to do a scenario I want to get through my simistics, I want to do Imperial Assault I just want to do something Again, even the idea of risk legacy. Oh, we gotta play ten, you know, fifteen times. No one's wanting, to, no one's wanting to do that. But you know, imperial assault, awesome theme. We we can't even seem to get a campaign of that going. So, yeah. I think it's gonna have to be a conscious decision by the group, yep, to really want to try to make a change. Not again, not swing in the opposite direction, but to maybe make a conscious effort to try to have a little bit more consistency and explore a game a little bit more yeah so i'm really excited if we're on board to try this so are there any other games that you'd really want to be able to bring out more on a consistent basis to explore it the depth a little bit more
1: um imperial settlers but i don't i was just thinking about concordia i mean i've only played it once but it seems i like, love concordia seems like it would be a game that might be able to fit into this category sean you i got to try that have you
0: which one, Concordia? No, you two got to play it, but I missed out. So, but that's the, that's kind of leading into this little crazy idea that we've come up with. So, tying in with this idea of trying to distance ourselves from the cult of the new, at least to a certain extent, we're gonna start the punched and played board game book club. Or the PPBGBC for short. (laughs) Or, you know, we'll just call it the Board Game Book Club. Each month, we're going to choose a game that we intend to play multiple times for that month. At the end of the month, we'll come together, we'll discuss our thoughts on the game, the depth, the strategy, just whatever our experiences have been. So kind of exploring it a little bit more in depth. See how our opinions have changed. But we want you, the listener, to also be a part of this dialogue, too. So if you have the game that we're going to be playing, we want you to play along with us, with your game group, at home, wherever you game. You don't necessarily have to play the game as much as we're going to. You don't have to commit to it a certain number of times, but we encourage you to try to really dive deep into the game with us. Then we want you to share your thoughts, your perceptions, as you play on our website at punchandplay.com. We're going to start a thread on there, so you can go into the discussion board. Add your thoughts. We'll be on there. We'll be adding our own thoughts as well. So as we're going through, we'll add our thoughts, our perceptions, and it'll kind of see how it's changed over the month. And the best part is we'll be giving away a copy of next month's book club game to one of you who shares your experiences with us. Not only do we want to do this for ourselves, but we also really want to develop a community around this idea. So with all of that out of the way, our inaugural board game book club for the month of May is... We don't know. So, we have compiled a random list of 20 games. Not really random, most of them Clint thought up. (laughs) (laughs) I threw them
2: out, you guys could change them.
0: We have a D20. We have numbered 20 games, 1 through 20. We're going to roll the die. Whatever it lands on, that will be our game. However, we're a democratic society here at Punched and Played. We're going to give each person one reroll. So if one of the games added that was on this list and it comes up on the die and you're like, no way, am I committing to play that multiple times? You're allowed to spend your one reroll. Are you ready to do this? Yes. Very much. All right, here we go. Rolling the die. Eight. That brings us to Caverna. Or Agricola. We couldn't decide. Is anybody going to veto and re-roll the die? I'm very happy with this. Jonathan. Oh, you're thinking about I it. I really
1: am thinking about it. Because...
2: Oh, here. he's re goes. Oh, I can't believe it. I love that one.
0: 18. Five tribes. No! <laughs> oh! <laughs> Dang. I'm so sorry.
1: <laughs> one away.
2: That was so...
0: That was perfect. That was... Okay. That was so perfect. So, we put three newer games on the list at the end. We had Five Tribes at 18, Roll for the Galaxy at 19, and Imperial <laughs> Settlers at 20.
1: It was one away. <laughs>
0: Jonathan was really pining for a 19 so he could play a role for the galaxy. And the one game he was really like, I don't really want to do this, was five tribes. And he just rolled the 18 for five tribes. Okay, Clint, I know you're not going to veto it. I am going to...
1: I'd be okay with playing five tribes.
0: Okay, are you sure? I've got the die on my hand.
1: I'm about to drop it. I mean...
2: Jonathan gets two rerolls. I'm,
1: no, no, <laughs> I am fine with five tribes. If you want to reroll, I'm fine with that. Also, how long does five tribes take?
2: Forty to eighty. Forty to eighty minutes. That's a
0: rather odd time frame.
1: It's probably pretty by, honest, though.
2: By the by, the fourth week, by the fourth week that we play this, we'll get it down <laughs> to forty minutes. i'm
0: torn between
2: it's not hurting my feelings it doesn't hurt my feelings i got to play it last week i haven't got to play five tribes yeah so this is a great opportunity
0: fantastic but here's the thing is it wrong for us to go with against the tie i mean again my argument is it doesn't matter if it's a new game or not it matters if you're going to explore it in depth it's a great game but i am i'm okay with you uh
2: with you re-rolling it if you want to you just want to push I'm your line. You just want
0: to push your. Yeah, leg. you're trying to. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what's going on. Okay, okay, I'm gonna do it. I I want to play five tribes. I really do.
1: If you reroll, you can't play five tribes though.
0: Really? If we if, if we I land, roll another eighteen, I will. We, if we <laughs> land
2: on Puerto Rico or Power Grid, it is staying there. I will not reroll it for oh, you. I but see. I, I love Power Grid,
0: but <laughs> I do. I love Power Grid,
1: but he, I don't. You <laughs> didn't say he loves Puerto Rico though.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you caught me. All right let's gamble let's gamble okay. let's like it five pandemic
1: hmm
0: clint it's all you're the only person that has a reroll.
1: <sighs>
0: I like this game <laughs> I like
2: pandemic I would I've played it a lot it's one of the games of this group that I feel like I've, I've played I, I've played so much the cards are dingy like the cards mm-hmm. are really beat up. Like sleeves couldn't even save it. You want to do it, or you want to my, push your luck? My my problem is is that like I said, I I put out Puerto Rico and and Power Grid. While well, I think that they're great great games, if I roll those any of those two, it
1: would really hurt. <laughs> oh, there he
0: goes. oh, it's <laughs> pandemic!
1: Pandemic for the win!
0: Pandemic. Rerolling on a five and got a five again. Yes, okay. I did. So our first book club game for may is pandemic so we invite you all to play along with us uh, share your thoughts on punchedandplay.com and again whoever contributes has a chance to win june's book club game which will be castles of burgundy so more details will be all posted on the website so make sure you keep checking on that so the last thing we have to do, now that we've decided our book club game of May, we have to do the punch list. And Clint, it was actually your week to do the punch list, but I figured that uh, you forgot, so I got you covered. I'm I'm sorry. I will bring it next week. That's what you get for snoring on me. Okay, so the punch list. So this is where we present a characteristic of a game, and we each have to give a game that we deem punch worthy. Clint and Jonathan have no idea what I'm going to throw at them, so the day's criteria is your favorite dice game that only uses dice. I would allow a cup to roll said dice and a score pad, but nothing else.
2: Hmm. That is really hard. Yeah. Free you know
1: says it. Liar's dice. Liar's dice is probably the best of the group i actually don't why don't love that game you You don't don't love liar's Liar's dice Dice? i've only maybe played it once or twice but i don't love it what's wrong with it it's a classic yeah okay no no part of the
0: part of the punch list is to tell us why this is not a favorite for
1: you i know
0: (laughs) so you just wanted to steal someone i just
1: wrecked (laughs) wrecked the punch list
0: Mm -hmm. i think liar's dice probably could have been one of mine what is it that you don't like about it because, I mean, part of the punch list is talking about things that you think could be improved. I mean, I don't know how you'd really improve it if it's just not your cup of tea.
1: I just, it's just not my thing. Sorry.
0: You don't like the the bluffing and trying to get into other people's heads? And nope. To... Hmm. I sad.
2: I, I love Liar's Dice. I think it is one of, I've played it just a ton and ton and ton of times, and it just never gets old for
0: me. Well, uh, Jonathan, you just offended my Liar's Dice, which is what your microphone is propped oh. up upon. Oh, wow. It's crying on the inside. Sorry. It's <laughs> the hand that feeds you. It's kind of gross. <laughs> do you have something, Clint, or do you want me to go? I. Why don't you go? There was one game that I'm trying to remember what it's called. Go ahead. Okay. I, uh, liar's Dice was definitely on my one of my potential options. I kind of wanted to give you guys a fair shake at this before I... Stole anybody's stuff. But Jonathan decided to go ahead and do that and ruin everything. So thanks for that. Uh, One game that I've really enjoyed playing is Martian Dice. So it's kind of in the same vein as Zombie Dice, but I like this one quite a bit. It's very simple. You are rolling these very colorful dice. And on the dice, you have red tanks. And they are trying to shoot down your UFO. So anytime you roll a red tank that is a die that you can no longer re-roll, okay? So what you have to do is you have, for every tank that you roll, you have to roll a green laser beam, okay? To be able to take out the tanks. So you have to make sure you have at least the same number as of UFO laser beams as the number of tanks to be able to score anything. So each round, you have to keep all of your red tanks, and you choose, do you wanna keep your green laser beams? Do you want to abduct chickens? cows or humans so if you rolled five chickens but you also rolled three tanks do you want to take the chickens and hope that you can get enough laser beams to still score so it's, it's kind of a light game but it's very quick and it's pretty enjoyable so uh, I've really had a lot of good fun with that at, at work again it's not the most strategic game in the world again for what it is I think it works I like it more than zombie dice, but again, I think in terms of the game that I think is the better, I still think I like Liar's dice personally more than that. were you able to find the game you were looking for Clint as a matter of fact, I did fantastic. I would say
2: that of the top of my top two or three games, Liar's dice and uh, Martian dice would actually be up there so um, I quite like I quite like them both. But there is one game that I guarantee you, I feel pretty strongly that you guys have never heard, but is a sneaky good game. And that's a game called Toss-Up. Have you heard of Toss-Up? No, sir. I, I have an aunt. She is awesome. She knows I love games. And every year she gives me a game. And it's always like the Yahtzee card game or something that she buys from, like, Walmart. And one time she gave me this game, and it's it's called Toss-Up. And it's just, it was literally, it's a small little gray, it's a little purple box. I would say it's no greater than uh, a racquetball, a tennis ball. Mm-hmm. Just, and it's just flat, and it holds ten small dice. And on the dice, there are, there's green, there's, there, I believe there are four greens, a yellow, and a red mm-hmm. on each side of the dice. And there are ten dice. And what you do, the, the game is extremely simple. You, you pick up all 10 of the dice, and you roll the dice. And any green dice you, you roll, you score. You move them off to the side, and then you can choose. You can either say, I'm going to stop, I'm going to score that amount of points, or I'm going to roll. Mm-hmm. You, and if you get more green dice, you get to score of those green dice. And you can keep rolling. And if let's say that you roll all 10 green dice, which would be super sweet. You can decide if I, you know, I'm gonna keep on going. You can grab all the dice again. You get ten points for that, and you keep and you keep rolling. You can go up as high as you want, but if you roll a red and no greens, mm-hmm. you you bust and you lose all those points. Interesting. Totally, it's it is super simple. Push your luck, but it was a blast i mean total good group game it actually has some really weird things because you're like you want to chuck 10 dice but also you say you get eight green dice you're going to pick up and grab you're like well i i'm rolling two of these dice i could i could but I, I could easily bust mm-hmm. i've seen people roll like seven or eight dice and they rolled a bunch of yellows and a couple reds mm-hmm. and bust it i mean it's a really really fun push your luck i I equate it very much to something like can't stop mm-hmm. is, a, is another great pusher luck game but I mean it's the thing I just barely checked online and you can still buy it at Walmart for like five bucks. Oh wow, buy it. It's great. you can fit it like it, you know everybody's talking about these micro games. Mm-hmm. you can fit a micro game. I mean seriously fit it in your front pocket five bucks. I really highly recommend it. It's, it's fantastic. Recommend.
0: Good, I learned something new today, and uh, but Martian Dice does have you beat a little bit because you need to roll thirteen dice in that one. Oh, congratulations!
2: <laughs> Was it is it five dollars? Uh, no, but yeah. it's it's really
0: it's a pretty good. T- price. T- Tasty Minstrel Games actually printed too many of them, so this is actually fairly affordable on Amazon right now. So, uh, and one thing I did to mention about Martian Dice is that you can bust two. So essentially, if you've already abducted chickens, okay, and then you roll and you can't abduct. You can't abduct chickens again. So once you abduct them, you can't do it again. So if all you rolled was chickens your next round, or you can't claim anything that you bust and you don't score anything. So you can abduct chickens, cows, and humans once. And whatever color you of that you take that set and you don't roll them anymore. So, But as long as you roll something you can keep each round, you can keep going and push your luck. I do like it a lot. So one thing, we didn't actually talk about what Liar's Dice is. I mean, it is a classic, but essentially... John is still shaking his head about Liar's Dice. <laughs> it's, you each get five dice, we roll them, right? And we, it's secret. And so we have to present, like, we think that there's going to be four threes. And that's across the entire table. So everyone who's playing the game, we're bidding that we think there's going to be four threes in, amongst everyone's cups. And so the next person can either raise it up in terms of the number that matches the number of pips, so they could say oh i think there's gonna be five threes or they could say okay well i'm gonna raise up the pip value so i think there's gonna be four fours for example and we keep doing that until someone says no i think you're lying and then everyone reveals and then we add them all up and we see who is victorious if you called someone out and they were lying then that person who is lying loses a die person who called out and they were wrong they lose a die so it's a pretty much a player elimination game you keep doing it trying to get in people's heads it's fun i think you should give another go again i got this nice fancy box right here don't you want to play it Jonathan? no <laughs> <laughs> well it's worth a shot so all right that brings the conclusion of episode number seven of the punched and played podcast As always, you can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. You can visit us at punchedandplayed.com. Again, make sure you keep an eye out for whenever this podcast goes live. We will have an article on there about our podcast board game book club so definitely check that out so again if you want to try to win a chance to get castles of burgundy make sure you go into punch and and share your experiences as we explore the game pandemic together for the month of may all right until next time remember if you're going to punch them make sure you play them